Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Welcome back to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. And as we wrap up the, uh, the year of 2011, a great year, we have uh, an opportunity to have back for this weekend next Alex Ben Block, our, uh, well, entertainment kind of a guy. You know, Alex knows everybody and knows everything that's going on in the entertainment industry. And he is our guest uh, both this weekend and next weekend, uh, as I said, as we wrap up uh, 2011. And we've got uh, Jeremy Kent with us here uh, shortly as well on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I have an interesting thing here, Brad. For By the way, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Good. Buddy. And I did get you your Christmas gift already, so keep it under 1000 like we do every year. 1000 <laughs> pesos. <laughs> uh, that's Rom, no, Romney said keep it under 10,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something yeah. like that. So we got Mitt and Newt and uh, Barack. And uh, Barack, yeah. It uh, sounds like an, in- an interesting combination of opportunities for our next uh, presidential campaign. Uh, by the way, the government has gotten now um, involved in the loudness issues as it relates to commercials on television and we've talked about this many years ago ray you being you being a guy that comes out of the technical side of sound engineering etc you may want to explain to our listeners how uh, what would you call it a, a bit bogus that that i mean you only have a certain level of audio that you can peek out on, and after oh, that yeah. you get dissonance. Why don't you explain that? Well, first of all, boys and girls, um, <laughs> take your pens out. All of the uh, all of the above networks that broadcast your television commercials have very stringent rules and regulations on what you can send to them. For instance, most of the stuff that goes out of here for television is at minus ten dB. That's ten decibels below uh, you know zero. That's pretty low um and if we were to drop that any further i think where the discrepancy lies is probably in uh whether it be a cable i i would imagine that that's where the most uh of the discrepancies go and uh and also uh, when you look at local uh, programming you've got national programming and then you interject a local ad uh yeah. these things are playing out of different audio sources and you're going to get some disparity there and for anybody who didn't know it they also make um limiters for televisions too so that you can control that tell you the thing that gets me as it relates to loudness is you're watching like a movie right. and it has dialogue and the dialogue right. is so low you can't hear it so you have to wow. turn it up and then of course then comes the the uh, the heavier dramatic scenes with music and sound effects and it blows you out of the room that's so, what I that's the problem right there Ray in a nutshell yeah. and people don't realize that you're even at whatever audio level no matter whether you're pumping it up cuz you're wanting to hear uh the dialogue cuz there's no music accompaniment and it's you know very dramatic and yeah. low key uh no matter what your volume 
level is on that, there's going to be a huge difference when you have sound effects, music, whatever, and commercials are all about getting your attention anyway, right? So, sure. Uh, that's it. Just seems like they're going down a, a road here that really, it's it. And your thing about limiters, people don't understand that that is some from a technical side. It keeps you from a broadcast point of view. Uh, peaking beyond uh, what would create dissonance, and it limits yeah. the ability for the audio to actually go too high. Correct? Exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. going to hear you're going to hear an apparent loudness that might be a little bit louder if somebody's way off the mark. But again, I say, uh, as it relates to anybody, whether it be TBS or ABC, NBC, it doesn't matter. They all have guidelines, and if those guidelines are not met, those commercials are kicked right back out at uh, yeah, at the producers. Right. So there's no way that, uh, you know, this is stupid. And, and, and as far as our government, when you solve all of the other problems in our, in our world or in our country, <laughs> yeah. then maybe you can focus on this crap. But yeah. in the meantime... You're wasting our time, and frankly, uh, as a government employee uh, that I'm paying for, you're wasting my money. So government butt out of that. FCC, uh, get your nose into something a little bit more uh, that's involved with uh, uh, possibly content or something like that. So you allow you you know you allow sex and uh, and uh, innuendo and and uh, and all that kind of stuff on the air during supposed uh, prime time or family time viewing. Yet you're worried about the commercials being too loud. You guys yeah. need to uh, maybe go home over the holidays and rethink your your uh, your uh, uh, vision here because you're idiots. Yeah. So other than that, Scrooge, how's your holiday going? It's been wonderful. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm actually going to play Santa Claus. I have in the studio here um, two different sizes of Santa Claus outfits. Uh-oh. One uh, before cruise hey, hey. and one after cruise, so we'll oh. see which one fits. <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of uh, dissatisfaction, the Tea Party came about because of a dissatisfaction with the status quo. My guess, I don't know how you feel about this, Ray, but my guess is come next uh, fall, 2012, there's going to be a list out. And the list will identify whether the person you're about to vote for is an incumbent or if it's a new person, and oh. I don't care whether it's Democrat or Republican, if they're in office today, I'm not sure I'm voting them back in next year if I have anything to really? say about it. And I do. I have one vote. You absolutely do. And I think that's a good thing to note. I think it's wonderful that they're doing something like that. And it, it, it's really frustrating, too, this whole process that we're going through at this point in time. Uh, I just feel like, once again, uh, from the, uh, the, the the GOP, at least, it's... A, can we? Isn't there anybody else out there? Can can we find another person or two or three or four just to kind of stir up the pot a little bit more? Uh, because what we've had uh, uh, on that side has been an interesting. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say disappointment, but it certainly is not uh, up to my expectations on what we should be uh, considering in such an important uh, uh, preparation for an election. And well, I'm, and you know, Rodney King, I understand, will be running for office next year. Fine, his his fine. theme will be, can't we all just get along, right? I, I have no problem with that. <laughs> Although Rodney's been uh, been in and yeah. out of uh, trouble since then, so maybe that's not a good thing. I don't know, yeah. but uh, well, that, that's fine. He should have. He should have. You can't really, I guess, get into a lawsuit if you. Uh, well, no, he did get in a lawsuit and made a lot of money, as I think about it. <laughs> Which we'll probably maybe, get into maybe, as well. I don't know. Maybe that's you know. why he got in trouble. He's you got never too know. Much money. Uh, Jeremy Kent is the uh, is the safe bet here. Jeremy is always uh, right on as far as our European news. He's uh, he was on the show um, last week with us out of London. You realize when he was on the show, we were spanning a third. 
of the globe in terms of distance between the three of us. You have maybe, Maui. Maybe more, more to, than that. No, it was about eight. Well, I'm, I figured eight thousand miles uh, between. You know, you've got uh, what? Well, yeah, maybe more. Uh, so you know, I was figuring three thousand to 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 London and what five thousand Houston to uh, uh, to uh, to Maui. So anyway, with that said, we had a really great connection. <laughs> That's amazing yeah. too. But uh, Jeremy Kent is our European News Desk reporter, and he's with us right now on the advertising show. It's being powered by Shipple.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. The platform is Tendency, and it's just a killer marketing platform. We've uh, used it for, uh, for several years now on the advertising show very successfully. So with that said, here's Jeremy Kent on the advertising show. Hello and welcome to the European News Desk. This week, Panasonic returns to the European cell phone market, the most shared ads of 2011, and how a hamburger just might save your life. Panasonic is set to return to the European cell phone market with a brand new smartphone in March 2012. The new phone will use Google's Android operating system and will be Panasonic's first mobile to be sold outside Japan for seven years. Panasonic is a worldwide Olympic sponsor and the launch of the new phone will be just three months before the London Olympic Games. But Panasonic have not commented on speculation about a link between the games and marketing support for the launch of the phone. This could be due to a conflict with Samsung who are also Olympic sponsors. Unruly Media's annual list of the ads most widely shared on Facebook, Twitter and the blogosphere has just been released and shows Kia's Party Rock Anthem by David and Goliath USA at number 5. T-Mobile's Royal Wedding Spoof by Saatchi and Saatchi's at number 4. And it's T-Mobile again in the number 3 slot with Angry Birds Live by Saatchi and Saatchi Italy. At 2, it's DC Shoes Hollywood Megamercial by DC's in-house team. And at number 1, it's Volkswagen's The Force by Deutsch USA. The ad, featuring a mini Darth Vader, clicked up a huge 4.8 million shares across social networks and was viewed a whopping 46 million times. It was seeded online before airing during the Super Bowl and it also appeared across British TV networks. It certainly gets my vote for ad of the year. London Fire Brigade has launched a new campaign encouraging Londoners to eat takeaways over the Christmas period. The outdoor campaign aims to reduce house fires by encouraging partygoers to get a takeaway rather than cook at home when they've been out for a few drinks. Research shows that a quarter of London's accidental house fires are caused by 18 to 35-year-olds attempting to cook when drunk. Aimed at catching people as they start their journey home, the ads will be placed across London's underground stations and supported with press executions in London newspapers and entertainment guides. The ads were created in-house by the award-winning Chris Davis and use headlines such as Last Night a Burger Saved My Life, while another treatment shows a picture of a cheeseburger under the title Fire Safety Equipment. This is Jeremy Kent at the European News Desk wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Our thanks to Jeremy Kent here at the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Alex Van Block, our award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator, and talk show host. As senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, lead editor on the book George Lucas's Blockbusting, uh, published to a great acclaim back in January of uh, 2010. A show business historian he is for Hollywood Today and a regular contributor here to The Advertising Show. And that's what we're doing today. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. And you were running late today, Alex, because of uh, something kind of cool happening at Hollywood Reporter? Well, there was a breaking news story that the National Football League has agreed to a nine-year extension of its Sunday broadcast television packages with CBS, Fox, and NBC. So uh, if it's uh, you don't already know, television is all about events, 
and football these days, and so football will remain on broadcast television at least through the 2022 season. And as That's we a lot of football. <laughs> yeah, that is, and uh, <clears throat> as we record this uh, midweek, uh, the week of, uh, well, December 14th on a Wednesday, right. that is breaking news. And Alex, why don't we uh, start by talking a little bit about this upcoming award season? I know we're in the middle of it right now, unlike years in the past. Uh, there, I understand that the field's wide open for best picture this year. Yeah, you know, in past years, like the Avatar year or others, we always had one movie that we all thought, oh, boy, this is a sure thing. It's going to be nominated. It's probably going to win. And then everybody else had to position themselves around that. This year, it's hard to say that there is that one movie. In fact, there's a whole bunch of movies that look likely to get nominated for Best Picture. And, of course, we have this odd situation where, for the first time, the uh, Movie Academy can nominate between five and ten movies depending on how the vote goes. So there's no set number of movies. You know, last year we had ten. Uh, in previous years we'd had five. But this year it'll depend on the votes. So why don't we take a look at some of the movies that are kind of exciting and likely to be nominated. Sounds good. So right at the top of the list is maybe the most unusual movie of the year, The Artist. This is a silent film made mostly by French artists in, in France, uh, although I think part of it was shot in Los Angeles, and it has some American actors and, of course, it has English-language subtitles, and it's just a delightful movie. It's uh, in black and white. It's nothing like what you would expect, and it actually works for the modern audience, and uh, a number of critics groups have already said it's the best picture of the year. Another movie getting a lot of attention is The Descendants, uh, kind of a heavy-duty drama with uh, George Clooney that is uh, kind of a serious movie and uh, delves into the problems of a family, uh, not light entertainment at all. Uh, one of my favorite pictures from earlier in the year, The Help, has a pretty good shot, uh, maybe more in the acting categories, but certainly a best picture possibility as well. This uh, drama not only was entertaining, but also I thought made an important statement about race relations in America. Woody Allen has his most successful movie of uh, many years in Midnight in Paris. I think you've got to consider that a, uh, a contender. Martin Scorsese did his first child's movie called Hugo, and it's a delightful movie, but it's not doing much box office, but it, the critics certainly like it, and they seem to be including it. Steven Spielberg arrives at, uh, with War Horse. Uh, I saw this the other night. It is an epic film that really is an incredible feat of storytelling. Uh, it's uh, about a young man and a horse, but it, then it's much more than that. There's a whole series of interlocked stories that hold it together. It's set in World War One. Uh, and it's stuff that you've really never seen before, but it's done almost uh, like Gone with the Wind. It's such an epic proportion. Uh, one of my favorite movies that I got to write about recently was Moneyball. I think that's a contender. Certainly Brad Pitt for an acting nomination. Uh, I recently did The Hollywood Reporter Does Anatomy of a Contender, a series on the top movies, and I got to interview Brad Pitt and, uh, and Jonah Hill and all the people involved with Moneyball. And cool. This is a sports movie that they described to me as a Trojan horse meaning you think it's just big entertainment and a sports movie, but inside it's really about a whole lot of other stuff. It's more like an independent movie, and really there's interesting things to say. Hmm. Uh, another one is Extremely Loud, Extremely Close, which uh, is another picture that has possibilities, and there's also some dark horses here. One of my favorite movies is uh, My Week with Marilyn, which I think probably is going to get acting nominations for Michelle Williams. Uh, it's maybe not going to get the Best Picture nomination, I think the same Meryl Streep will definitely be a Best Actress nominee for Iron Lady. 
the story of the leader of uh, Great Britain. Uh, and uh, there's a picture called Tree of Life that I didn't particularly like, but seems to be getting a lot of attention from the critics. To me, it was like watching paint dry, but uh, it has beautiful visuals and not much of a story. But uh, those are pretty much the pictures that are going to lead the pack. Interesting. I saw the uh, help the other day, and uh, do you think? Uh, I mean, what a great, uh, a great movie that I kept asking myself. Gosh, this seems like it's almost based on uh, on a real life situation. Of course, I've come to find out that it's not, but yet it has a great social comment. Is something uh, something a movie like that that tackles that kind of subject matter? Does that put it in a favorable or unfavorable position as far as potential wins this year? Well, I think it's a favorable position. Uh, first of all, the Academy is notoriously liberal and uh, likes to uh, promote diversity, even if the Academy itself lacks diversity. Uh, and this is uh, at a time that there aren't a lot of pictures with strong African-American leads. This is that movie. Now, of course, it's been criticized as a movie about a white woman who has to come help the black people, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it is still uh, got some great African-American actors and actresses in it. And uh, a number of them have already been nominated by the SAG Awards and uh, have been acclaimed by some of the critics' groups. So I think it actually, uh, the message and the political nature of it, I think is going to help it. But what is really going to help it is it's just a really entertaining picture that holds your interest. And I think uh, people are really enjoying it. Well, I saw it as a young, as far as the white person helping black people, I saw it as a young uh, progressive uh, female living in the South that was not a part of the status quo and deciding to reach out and uh, tell a story that wasn't being told. But that was my take on it. So with the uh, with the Oscars having to change their host and producers, what kind of turmoil did that create, or did it? Well, it did for a period of weeks there. You know, Brett Ratner was originally to be the co-producer of the Oscars, and Eddie Murphy was to be the host. And uh, it was an interesting choice, almost a little bit edgy for the Academy, because Ratner is young and kind of radical, and Eddie Murphy, uh, of course, aside from being a great comedic actor, also has a uh, reputation for being somewhat controversial at times. Uh, but they were set to do it, and then, of course, uh, Ratner gave a number of interviews and basically shot his mouth off at the wrong time about the wrong subjects, including a, a really stupid interview with Howard Stern, even after the controversy had started, where he talked about his sex life. And I think the sort of conservative members of the Academy who had been a little nervous about letting these guys loose as it was just felt, we can't do this. And Brett Ratner was put under pressure, and he voluntarily resigned the job and uh, was replaced uh, by a, uh, uh, another producer who's uh, much more uh, in line with the establishment. Uh, and then shortly after, Eddie Murphy said, well, if my pal Brett Ratner, who we had just done the movie Tower Heist with, isn't going to do it, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Which to me looked like an excuse for him to pull out. Yeah. And then the great Billy Crystal said, I'll come back. And uh, did his, his amusing tweet where he said the reason he was coming back was so the lady who he gets his prescriptions from at the drugstore will know who he is now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Alex Van Block is here at the, with us on the advertising show. Uh, our look back at uh, 2011 entertainment and industry we've got it all here uh, and we'll continue our conversation with Alex here in just a moment with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show you're listening to the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth Swinger, 
Ray Shellens and Brad Forsyth, along with Alex Ben Block, a, a public, a popular public speaker, a Toastmaster, MC, moderator. He uh, panels at the uh, the Paley Center for Media, including uh, one-on-one with Roseanne Barr, uh, a look at Fox's prison break, and a dialogue about the image of Arabs on TV with the producers of 24 and Lost. And, of course, we're happy to have Alex on the advertising show with us today. Welcome back, Alex. Thank you so much. You know, to wrap up a conversation about the awards season, I don't know how you come in on a personal level, but I'd like to hear your comment about uh, Ricky Gervais last year's performance. I frankly align with many others in saying that, you know, the establishment and the, uh, the, let me back up, the celebrities, I should say, uh, have a wonderful life by way of being a celebrity. And if they can't take being poked fun at, I mean, you know, come on. And yet there was a lot of controversy around last year's uh, uh, Ricky Gervais hosting and his comedy and so forth pointed at the Hollywood elite. What are you, What is your take on that? And I know they understand they're going to be bringing him back next year, which I'm all for, and I'm going to watch it. Right, uh, yeah. Well, I think this is a case of beauteous in the eye of the beholder. If you think Hollywood are a bunch of jerks and celebrities who are overpaid and pampered, then Ricky Gervais coming to pop their balloon is a great idea, and you applaud his return. If you think that Ricky Gervais getting drunk on TV and being rude to everybody isn't a good idea, making comments that are sexist, uh, of a religious nature, and everything else under the sun, then you think it's a terrible idea. Uh, I can tell you why it happened. It happened because NBC knows that with Ricky Gervais, they'll probably get a lot higher ratings than they would have got without him. (laughs) So I think NBC kind of put the pressure on the uh, Hollywood Foreign Press, which puts on the Globes and their longtime producer, but not friend, uh, Dick Clark Productions. And uh, they got them all to line up, and uh, the head of the HFPA flew over to Paris and had dinner with Ricky Gervais. They all talked about it, and they kind of realized that even though uh, he had made fun of them in particular and of their award show that uh, NBC was right. This was the way to get high ratings, and uh, this is television, and anybody who tells you show business isn't a business should start calling it show art. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, and uh, that's a good point. I guess there's two schools of thought on that. Uh, let's move to the small screen for a moment and talk a little bit about 2011 and network television in particular. All things considered, uh, Alex, you tell me, has it been a good year for broadcast networks? Well, uh, in terms of ratings, it's been a so-so year. Uh, Some weeks they're up and some weeks they're down. Uh, It's kind of the same as it's been before. So after about the first 11 weeks of the 2011-2012 season, Fox and CBS remain tied uh, uh, in terms of the you know, on television, they don't want a big audience. They want the 18 to 49 audience. Uh, with the exception of CBS, that's what they all live and die for. And, uh, and they're pretty much tied uh, for that audience. Fox is up uh, a little bit from last season. CBS is up a little bit from last season. Uh, ABC is running about even with last season. And NBC is the doormat. They're fourth with... Uh, uh, about a 2.6 rating, I think down 7% for the first 11 weeks. Uh, Univision, I don't speak Spanish, so I don't watch it a lot, but boy, are they doing well. They're the fifth biggest network in America, and they were down about 6%. And CW still can't seem to get much traction. They were down about 25%. So overall, uh, it was a decent year for broadcast television. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the shows you would expect, like American Idol, uh, continue to do well. Uh, and some of the new shows that they thought would do well, like X Factor and Fox, have done okay, but not great. 
Um, and, uh, of course, the big story of the season, arguably, might be two-and-a-half men with Ashton Kutcher taking over for Charlie Sheen and coming in with gangbuster ratings and then holding on to him and uh, remaining uh, one of the top five shows of television week after week. And then, of course, uh, my uh, secret favorite addiction, Desperate Housewives, <laughs> is coming to an end. Aww. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm DVRing every show and watching it with my family. We all enjoy it. And we'll see how it ends. It gets a little more crazy as it goes along. But it's had a great long run. But, uh, you know, for, after years of watching the ratings for Broadcaster Road and cable grow ever stronger and seeing people go off to Netflix or to play video games or whatever, it seems to have stabilized a bit. Uh, clearly, the, the broadcast networks remain the big players, the 900-pound gorillas on television. And uh, that isn't going to change too soon. They may not be as big as they used to be, but, boy, they still are the dominant factor. So the younger portion of that 18 to 49, the 18 to 24 for a moment, those eyeballs are going more to uh, video games and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, and to other screens. I mean, they're watching TV in different ways. They watch them on their, uh, you know, hand-carried devices. They watch them on their, uh, you know, different kind of gaming devices you can get that aren't just about games anymore when you buy... Uh, you know, the Microsoft Xbox uh, or the Sony PlayStation, today those can also be a Blu-ray player. They also can hook up to networking cable TV and to the Internet. So uh, people watch stuff in a lot of different ways, and they're watching many different things. The reality is, uh, even though I say broadcast is doing pretty good, there's a lot of nights when the shows on NBC are being beaten in the ratings by uh, the dramas and, and reality shows that are on cable TV. Mm-hmm. So uh, these days, when you have a, a cable box, it's no longer about adjusting the antenna or where they play. It's just another number. And if the great shows are on FX Network or USA Network, people go and find them. And so it's more competitive than ever. But uh, overall, ABC, NBC, and CBS uh, and Fox remain the big players. So before we go to cable and wrapping up this uh particular segment of our interview the emmys finally figured out how to get their deal renewed i know in shows in the past you've commented about the emmys and maybe moving to cable and all of that so bring us up to date on where we are with that yeah you know there was a long period uh much of the first half of the year when they were kicking around the uh idea of whether or not the emmys would get renewed by the major networks they had been on what they call an eight-year wheel meaning over an eight-year period, each of the four big networks carried it twice on rotation. And uh, some people said, well, maybe it'll go to HBO or maybe it'll go to cable TV. But uh, in the end, that didn't happen, and there are good reasons why it didn't. You really can't move it to off-broadcast because the broadcasters won't cooperate anymore and they'll program against you. They won't provide, they won't enter their shows, they won't provide their stars. And so the Emmys kind of have to have those big broadcast networks' involvement or else they're kind of screwed. And so uh, the Academy, for essentially the same money as the old deal, uh, made a new eight-year wheel agreement that will keep it on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox in rotation. And uh, this is probably where they belong. And uh, and cable, if anything, is getting squeezed a little bit. Some of the categories have been knocked down so that there's going to be less of the sort of TV, movie, and miniseries categories dominated by cable. Uh, Those aren't not as many of those categories, and more of the stuff that broadcast TV cares about, the the series and specials and stuff, is going to continue to dominate uh, the Emmys. So uh, the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences gets over 90% of their budget from the Emmy license. They desperately needed it. 
Uh, they got it, and uh, the Emmys are safe for another eight years. Alex Ben Block is a senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter and our special guest today here at The Advertising Show for a look back at uh, 2011 along with Rachel and Brad Forsyth. Thanks so much for listening. Back with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and our special guest, uh, as is a frequent guest here at the Advertising Show, Alex Menblock, Senior Editor of The Hollywood Reporter. Alex, welcome back. Thank you. Before we talk about the politics of cable, which seems to be hot topics over this past year uh, for that particular industry, let me get your personal take on Oprah. A few weeks ago, I think it was last week, Ray and I were talking about Oprah's new own network, My Suspicion. My suspicion is, and this is purely my opinion and my speculation, I see OWN Network as being something that doesn't really take off as Oprah's accustomed to other things taking off so favorably and that there may be a time a few years down the road that we talk about, do you remember when Oprah owned OWN Network? Do you think it's going to eventually get off the ground and will Oprah always be involved? Well, it's half owned by the Discovery Network and half owned by Oprah. Um, it's really the Discovery Network's money, and they've not put a lot of money into this thing, much more than I think they thought they were going to have to. The ratings continue to be lower than hoped. I understand the new Rosie show is not doing terribly well, uh, and even some of the reruns of the Oprah show that they thought would be big draws aren't drawing as well as they hoped. In fact, uh, I think it was the Discovery Cable Health Network, if I remember right, that uh, used to be on in that space, mm-hmm. and they got as higher, higher ratings than what OWN is getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a big shock. Uh, I think, you know, Oprah had a great run in TV syndication. She was a dominant personality in television, uh, and she thought that she was the brand and that the platform didn't matter, but it turns out the platform does matter. Yeah. And that uh, that daily visit to your home on syndication was the key to her success. Even her magazine has seen its circulation plummet since she went off the air. So, uh, you know, the brand is in trouble. And uh, will the own network be around? Uh, that's really up to how long Discovery wants to keep writing checks. Yeah. They have a big commitment there. Uh, and it's, you know, and other networks have been fixed. They keep trying new programming. They'll bring back, they'll try other leadership, other programming. Uh, they'll continue to make changes. I would not underestimate Oprah. She is a great lady, and she has had a great career, and she's proven that she knows how to be successful. So, uh, and the Discovery Network is one of the very best organizations uh, in, in all of television anywhere in the world. So, uh, you know, they got a lot of money. They got, uh, they got the nerve and the time. Uh, they can still recover. But at the moment, it's a train wreck. Yeah. And, uh, and they've tried to fix it over and over again, and it's not fixed. And uh, at this point, I don't know anybody who makes own the first place that they're looking to watch TV. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'll go back to what Barry Dillard told me when I wrote the book about Fox years ago. He said, people don't watch networks. They don't even watch TV. What they watch is shows. When you give them a show that's so good and so seductive and so powerful that they'll go anywhere and do anything to watch it, subscribe to whatever they have to, then you're going to be a success. And own doesn't have those shows yet. Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, the politics of cable, as I like to call it. They're dealing with uh, battles in uh, retransmission, uh, consent fees heating up, et cetera. We've got D.C., uh, Washington, D.C., issues over piracy and other matters. Bring us up to date on where we are legislatively and and other uh, legal battles with cable, if you would. For years, cable TV had a big advantage in that they had two revenue streams. They made money. This is basic cable I'm talking about. 
they made money from uh, selling advertising, but they also got a fee from the people who carried it. The cable operator paid a fee. So these dual revenue streams helped build the industry. And for years, broadcast, even though in theory they could have been collecting a what they call a retransmission fee for giving cable the right to carry their channel, uh, instead used that leverage to launch things. So like when Fox initially made their deals with cable, they said, if you'll carry the FX network on all of your systems, we'll give you uh, Fox channel uh, basically for free. Well, now they've woken up and said, no, you know what, we can't do that anymore. We need a dual revenue stream as well. And so they're playing hardball with these cable operators. So Comcast, and uh, which interestingly not only now owns NBC, uh, Charter, Time Warner, and so forth, are being forced to pay millions of dollars in retransmission fees to CBS, NBC, ABC. And the funny thing is, under the law, those fees actually go to the local station. But the networks have stepped in and said, mm, no, we're, we're the ones who give you the program, you're going to have to share with us. And so some of it goes to the local stations. A lot of it is now going to the networks. And in many cases, the networks have taken over uh, even doing the negotiations. So this is all about money. And uh, for the broadcast networks, that's one of the reasons that they're revived and doing better is they're getting that money, and they're going to be getting a whole lot more of it going forward. Wow. On, the, on the piracy front, uh, the uh, MPAA, which is the sort of big association and lobbying group for the Hollywood studios and networks, is leading that crusade to try and shut down those websites and online sources that provide copyrighted material without paying the royalty for it, without buying it, and in competition with those people who have done the right thing and contracted for it and paid for it. And so there's been a series of bills. Uh, we had one earlier this year that attacked uh, websites that uh, carried a pirated stuff in the U.S., now that this battle is over a bill that's currently in the U.S. Senate and in the House, in different versions, and they're somewhat different, uh, over foreign websites. Now, if you're an American, you can't go tell a website in, uh, in a fill-in-the-blank Pakistan, you can't play our movie. But you can tell uh, an American company that uh, sells advertising or does promotion for them, or in a search engine like Google, who uh, lists them, you can't do that anymore. We have a court order, and we're going to shut it down. So the Hollywood industry has put all of their muscle behind this bill. But the uh, what I call the high-tech industry, which includes Intel and Google and eBay and Amazon and others, they say, no, we, we shouldn't be the policemen here. We're not the ones who have to enforce this. We don't like this bill. It's too onerous. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cause us a lot of problems. We're not going to do this. So there's this titanic battle that's developed between to call it simply Hollywood versus Silicon Valley. And, uh, and both sides are spending millions of dollars on lobbyists, forming various consumer groups to back up their point of view. Uh, and this is a battle that's going to go on well into 2012. And at this point, it's unclear who's going to win. We indeed have so much to talk about as it relates to entertainment and, uh, and Alex Benblock. We've invited him back next week as well here at the Advertising Show. So we hope you join us as uh, we ramp up to uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's and such. Thanks for listening. The Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Get your Christmas shopping done already. What are you waiting for? We'll talk again next week. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. 
iwantmedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says iwantmedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit iwantmedia.com.